Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
that have been learned through 500 years of firearms usage. We just boiled it down. We boiled it down and we put it into one two-day course so we can teach you the fundamentals of it. And now this isn't a baby course. This isn't a basics course. This is a fast-paced course that's dedicated to teaching you the complete set of fundamentals needed for your shooting path, no matter what it's going to take you. Uh, no matter if you're just going to shoot at uh, 10 cans or if you uh, want to make sure that you're able to make a clean and ethical first shot when you're hunting, uh, or if you're getting ready to deploy uh, to foreign soil in order to defend the nation. This is a course for each and every one of those situations. If you're getting ready to take a SWAT sniper's course, or you're getting ready to to move forward in your military training and uh, go to a designated marksman course or a sniper course, uh, this is a great place to start. If you've never even handled a firearm before, this is that perfect place for you. Uh, if you're a good, if, if you think you're a pretty good, decent shot, but you want to get your uh, wife involved or your kids involved, this is the program for you. You can come. You're going to be getting a refresher. You're going to be learning a lot of the things that you have missed in your shooting career. And we will handle instructing your wife and children. That means you just get to shoot. You can have a good time and shoot. You don't have to worry about trying to tell her or them that they're not doing it right, and they don't have to worry about telling you, shut up, leave me alone. Yes, I am doing it right. We take care of that for you. And it's always expensive. Uh, Most shooting schools offering you two days of rock-solid instruction it's going to run you from uh, 250 to uh, 500 bucks for two days. We're going to give it to you for 70. That's for you, for the guy. Uh, if it's a, uh, a female or a minor child, and, and we're defining minor child as under 21, women are going to go for $10. Kids are going to go for $5. So you can bring your whole crew without it bankrupting you. And it's something that you can all get together and do, and it is a skill that all family members need to have. Uh, I can't tell you the number of times that <laughs> that I've seen women at events by themselves or with their children, and when I'm talking to them, uh, I, I don't try to get anybody's business, but when I'm talking to them, they may bring up uh, something about their husband or something, and I'll ask them, why aren't, why isn't he here? And, uh, Several of the women have told me, well, he has no interest whatsoever in shooting. So I figured if anything's ever going to happen uh, where our home's going to have to be defended, I guess I'm going to have to do it, so I'm here to learn. <laughs> and they do. And the children learn. And one of the things that we don't uh, we don't promote as much, I think, as we should, and that is that Appleseed, during the two days that you're at an event, is that it gives you a rock-solid foundation in rifle safety. We do a fantastic job of rifle safety. Uh, I'm always worried about uh, about bragging about how many events we've had without a uh, single injury because uh, I'm afraid I'll jinx it. But we have had a ton of events, uh, thousands of events, and we have yet to have... Uh, any type of serious accidents at an event because we are so dedicated to rifle safety. 
at these events. And it's going to teach uh, everybody who's there, not just the women and kids. It'll teach guys, too, because guys are usually the most serious offenders because they have uh, they have been around firearms long enough that the familiarity breeds contempt. Uh, cliche is right on the mark there. And they're more likely to have become complacent in their safety programs than the women or children. Women or children, usually if they have not handled firearms, uh, they are they have they come with some inherent, uh, uh, well, basically I'll, I'll call it fear because it is usually fear when they first arrive. But they'll arrive with some fear of the firearm, and the fear usually leads them to treat it with some uh, modicum of of respect and safety. <clears throat> We're going to give you two solid days of working with you to ensure that you are handling your rifle safely. And by the end of two days, it's a, it gets burned into you pretty good, and and it should last a good long while. So no matter who you are, what your level of shooting skill is or your experience, an apple seed two-day rifle marksmanship event is just the ticket for you. Let me tell you this, too. They can be found within reasonable reasonable driving distance of you every weekend of the year. No matter where you live, there is an event within reasonable driving distance of you. When I say reasonable driving distance, I'm not talking about uh, 10 minutes away. That's not really that reasonable. I mean, it's reasonable. Yeah, 10 minutes is good. But there's going to be an event that you can make, uh, usually in only a few hours of driving at the most, to get to an Appleseed Rice Market Ship location or just about any weekend of the year. All right? Uh, you can go to rwva.org. That's the homepage there. When you look on the, uh, the tabs across the top, the, the left side of the page, you'll see... Uh, a tab that says Appleseed, click on that. You'll go to a drop-down menu. On the drop-down menu, select Schedule. When you click on Schedule, it'll take you to a map of the United States. Click on the state where you wish to attend an event, and it'll give you a listing of the events there. Now, if you live in a state that's fairly small or if you live on the border of a state, be sure and click on the states that are uh, uh, around you. There may be an event that's, uh, that's even closer across the border from you in another state than one in your own state. So be sure and check that out. Uh, if you have any questions, if you look at the homepage, rwva.org, uh, it is a great uh, page. Our uh, IT guys did a great job. Kirby Foster and the rest of the crew there did a great job on working on the, the homepage and getting it set up great. You can email uh, any questions you have to folks, and we'll be glad to answer them. Uh, there's a fact page, there's a uh, how to get ready page, what do you need to do, stuff like that. And if you still have questions, email us. We'll get you we'll get you an answer rapidly. If you don't have a firearm, email us. Uh, most of the time, uh, most of the instructors keep a keep several additional rifles on hand so that uh, we can loan them out. You can uh, come to an event without having to own your own rifle. Just let us know ahead of time. We'll uh, get a rifle. Reserved for you. You'll just have to purchase and bring your own ammunition. All right? If you have any other questions, go to rwva.org. 
and uh, check out the facts and stuff there. And if you still have questions, then email us, and we will be glad to answer any questions you have. Until then, we'll be waiting to uh, to see you on the firing line at an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship event. All right. Uh, we're going to be talking about choosing a firearm for for home defense and personal defense tonight, and uh, and I just got through this last weekend. <clears throat> Battle Road USA ran an event. Uh, it was a women's uh, safety and self defense course, and it went off really great. All the women were great, despite uh, it being 104 degrees already by by about 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, they kept everything upbeat. They listened to the instruction. They they were all good to go with it. Uh, we had about uh, four hours of classroom and discussion of uh, of safety techniques and procedures for use in the home and outside the home, things you could do in your home to make it a safer place, and then the ways that you can conduct yourself outside your home in order to stack the odds of personal offense survival in your favor. And uh, the next four hours after after lunch were centered around having the women uh, handle, they got instruction on, and then they actually uh, were able to handle, including loading and firing, uh, about uh, between a dozen and two dozen, depending on, on how many they wanted to fire, of the most common types of rifle, uh, rifles, shotguns, and pistols. And we were doing this not to make anyone an, uh, an expert in marksmanship or in any, any one particular firearms platform. What we're trying to do is make sure that they understood uh, the procedures for being able to try and locate where the safeties were, the slide release, the cylinder release, uh, how to get a round into a magazine, how to get the magazine into the firearm, how to work the action on the firearm, get that round into the chamber, how to make sure that the safety is off, and then how to fire that round. And we did this on uh, quite a few different uh, versions of firearms so that no matter what firearm they come across, they should have a good uh, a good chance of being able to safely manipulate that firearm and get a round into the chamber and then fire it. And then how to make the firearm safe after it had been fired, all right? And the course went really great. I think everybody learned a great deal. And this is one of the one of the courses that we offer in addition to running apple seeds once a month. And I've got uh I've got my buddy Mark Martinez, who's my uh, partner at uh, Battle Road USA. He's on the line now, and uh, I'm going to get him to uh, to say howdy and uh, tell you guys about some of the stuff that we got coming up. Mark, welcome to the show. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. Uh, I was just talking about the the women's self-defense and safety course we just ran through, but but we do a lot more than that. We've got just about uh we've got just about any type of shooting course that uh that you can imagine. Also we'll be glad to tailor a course specifically for you or your group's needs. 
And uh, what, do, what do we have coming up uh, in the next uh, couple of months, Mark? Well, we have the uh, fighting shotgun coming up actually in a couple of weeks. And before I get into that, I want to go right back to that uh, uh, ladies' class you had just the other day and congratulate you. I've heard and read a lot of good uh, things about that, and I couldn't make it out there, but you came up to me with that idea that you had, and uh, you just ran with it, and I thought it was a good idea. And Before you know it, you had this class, and people are loving it all over Facebook, and I just want to say, man, that was a really good job you did there, Mike. Yeah, well, thanks. Well, you know, I, you and I talked about this all time before, uh, about having a course, this specific course for ladies, and and we ran it under different ideas. I know initially I wanted to have the the course as a, a course that was given to me from uh, uh, from uh, Force Response out in Kentucky, and that was a Sarah Connor course. But but I thought before I ever got to a course like that, we better start with the basics. And then uh, a friend of mine, Brandy, had called me and said, "Look, uh, you know, we got uh, several others have daughters." They're getting ready to go to college, and would you please, would you guys please uh, get a course together to teach them the things that uh, they might face uh, as far as self-defense and safety goes in their home and outside the home and stuff like that. Uh, since they're going to be leaving, and they're not going to be under their under branded controls. You want to make sure that they had it. And it turns out that uh, all of the women there uh, learned a learned a great deal of stuff that they didn't know. They're all very happy about it, and they all actually have, have asked for another course. So I'm sure we'll be, I'm sure we'll be working on another course uh, uh, very soon. Man, that sounds great. Well, listen, I was calling about the uh, fighting shotgun class, and uh, like you and I have been talking about, uh, I know we're both really excited about it because with this ammo situation, it's been pretty tough to have any classes. Uh, rifle right now is still pretty darn tough to do. Uh, pistol is getting a little bit easier. I know here, at least here in the uh, Houston area, at the academy stores, we're getting rifle ammunition in. Uh, two two three is still at academy. It's still two boxes per day. So is your most common pistol calibers. Uh, but the uh, three oh eight seven point six two by thirty nine, it's all on the shelf. If you can afford it, you can buy as much as you want of it. So things are slowly getting better. And the really good news is, I'd say about two or three weeks ago, seems like overnight, all the shotgun stuff just came back. There's slugs all over the place, as many as you can carry, birdshot, buckshot, it's all there again. And so that's why I was calling you, uh, you know, back then and, and saying, that, you know, let's do this shotgun class now because it's, ammo's finally here and I'd like to knock off some of this ring rust and get back on the uh, line and, and have some classes. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and I did. Uh, I've been watching these shelves at Academy and Walmart, and you're absolutely correct. It just uh, seemed like overnight, all of a sudden, it went from nothing. There was nothing there. Uh, they're still they're they're still short on a lot of stuff, but basically, if you had to go in some, if you had to go in and buy a box of shelves for a rifle, you're going to find it. And uh, the shotgun stuff has seemed to jump pretty much back to almost. Normal. You can buy a box of 25 rounds of the. Uh, um, what is the? What was the? Uh, the bargain stuff. What I'm seeing here in Houston is the. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a 25 round box of Spartan, uh, buckshot. Uh, I believe it's a double lot, and that's running roughly about 25 bucks. The uh, birdshot has always been there. It seems like it's gone up a dollar a box, 
And I, I like. What was the name of that uh, of that uh, inexpensive stuff? It's the it's called Estate. It's not the best, but for a shotgun class, it's great. It's not as expensive. It's roughly five forty nine a box. It used to be four forty nine a box before things happened. But it's still very reasonable, and the slugs are there. The Remington slugs are there, which is usually four forty nine a box of five. And so I've been stocking up on those as well. But uh, like I said, I'm, I'm glad it's, it's uh, finally back. I'm ready to do the class. And I think what we discussed earlier privately, uh, we're going to go ahead and continue on with uh, to incorporate some tactics along with our fighting shotgun class. And, you know, the heart and soul of our fighting shotgun class is uh, getting to control that recoil, mastering that your your position so you can absorb that recoil and stay on target. And at Battle Road USA, when we fire our shotgun, our goal is to get five rounds on target in two, between two and a half and three seconds. That sounds like a lot for some folks, but once you get the proper technique down, you get that rhythm down, those shells are just coming out, and uh, you're staying on target. It's an amazing how much firepower you can put out there. And for right. uh, self-defense, you know, uh, CQB distances, which is usually your home, I don't think many of us are Navy SEALs or commandos running around, but for inside your house in that range, there's absolutely no other weapon that is as devastating and effective as the shotgun inside your home. It's just it's an awesome tool to have. Right, and we were talking about that uh, recently because we were talking about the uh, we were talking about these statistics on uh, on shotguns as far as it being fatal. And uh, you were telling the folks about the fact that uh, uh, I believe I'm going to let you tell it because because you remember it. But the fatalities of folks that have been hit in the in the upper body with uh, buckshot at close range. Yeah, well, you know that's one of the sad circumstances of that. Uh, it's never our intent to kill anyone, but if you need to incapacitate someone immediately inside your home, that shotgun on a on the uh, center mass is probably going to do the job, and uh, mortality is high, unfortunately, for those who get hit by it. And uh, what I was saying at that one class, what I was told by some uh, city instructors for the city of Houston, they were saying for, I think it's been the last about 12 years now, everybody who's been hit with buckshot within a 25-yard range has, unfortunately, uh, they were one they were stopped immediately, but unfortunately, they all passed away too. So it's definitely a stopper there, and uh, very, very right. effective. And, what? and and when you come to a Battle Road USA course, uh, we're not uh, believe me, we're not. Uh, there's no military stuff. There's no uh, drill sergeant stuff. Uh, there's no bloodthirsty stuff. We don't want you to kill anybody. We don't want you to ever kill anybody. But we want you to stop the threat immediately, no matter what it takes. Uh, so we're not going. We're not trying to teach anybody to kill anybody, but we're trying to get you to be able to stop that threat instantly. And that's uh, that is shown to be the uh, the only way to uh, to stack the odds in your favor for survival, and that is stopping any threats to you immediately. So the shotgun course is a great course. And like Mark was talking about earlier, anytime you see, or, or at least a lot of times that I have seen problems with folks shooting shotguns, 
it all comes back to stance and grip in the shotguns. If you watch the, the uh, YouTube videos and stuff like that, and and it 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 makes me furious that uh, a lot of guys will uh, try and sandbag their girlfriends or wives and get them and give them a shotgun and and no instruction and tell them to shoot it so they can they can laugh and video them uh, doing it. But what you'll see always is the folks can't control the recoil. And that's one of the very first things you're going to learn at the uh, at the fighting shotgun course is how to control your recoil, how to maintain uh, your ability to control, absorb the recoil so that you can continue to shoot if needed and continue to place shots on target if needed. And uh, by the end of the course, a lot of the folks there were, were pretty dang fast. Uh, I don't remember who it was, if it was, if it was Ross or Brett or I can't remember who was who was at that first course that uh, they were, I think by the end of it, they were they were burning up five rounds right at two seconds. And you don't have to shoot that fast, but if you need to, you need to know how to do it. So, but there's a lot of other stuff you'll get at the course. Uh, Mark's going to be talking to you about just selecting a shotgun. What kind of shotgun you're going to need for for your situation, how to set it up. You know, things that you're going to need on it, the sling or the stocks, uh, the sights on it, uh, the proper stance uh, for being able to, to run your shotgun at speed, uh, doing combat reloads, ammunition changes. Talk about that for a second, Mark, because I think, I think a lot of people don't understand that they might need to, they might need to change out a round of their, in their shotgun uh, in the middle of what they're shooting. And if they don't know how to do it, then you're going to be stuck with whatever's in there. Yeah, what we do is we have a, uh, a drill, what we call select slug, and we have our shotgun loaded up with buckshot because that is the primary round for a shotgun. And uh, because they're so versatile, we can also fire a slug out of there, which is a pretty much a one-inch or one-ounce cannonball. And if you're going to launch that thing, it needs to be done accurately. So we do have drills to where you can unload quickly, load a slug into your shotgun, and fire it off instead of using buckshot. And what we'll do is we'll zero uh, have people zero their shotguns at roughly 50 yards. Once you get past 50 yards, you're beginning to get into carbon range. So we stay within 50 yards, and we'll do that. We'll also go over some weapon retention. We have our uh, shotgun wall, and that is something I'm absolutely certain that you won't get anywhere else, uh, probably on the planet. I don't think many folks will do it. Not that it's dangerous. They just simply... Don't do that type of stuff, and I believe weapon retention is very important, especially when you're dealing with a long gun. Uh, that's one oh, of my yeah. favorite drills there. So we'll be doing that as well. We'll probably we'll go we'll discuss cutting some corners and things like that because again, most of us will if we ever u- do use a shotgun, chances are very high it's going to be inside your home, and we all have hallways and rooms, and we want to learn to address those corners and how to negotiate through your uh, house to stack the odds on your, on your side. So we'll do some of that as well. And Yeah, I think the, the weapon retention I thought was a really great part of the course because, uh, because you do. You've got this, uh, this shotgun that's sticking out in front of you, and it, it's – and you're in – your home, uh, it may be kind of dark. 
you're moving from uh, one room to the next, that means you're going to have to go through a doorway. And usually the first thing that's going to have to go through that doorway is the end of the shotgun. Somebody could grab it. And if they do, what are you going to do? How are you going to deal with that? <clears throat> so uh, understanding uh, the dynamics of weapon retention, I think, is a very important thing. And then we also talk about uh, ammunition considerations and stuff, too. Like Mark was saying a minute ago, if you, if you have buckshot or something in the in the chamber and it's ready to go, but but you have to make a shot that where you can't you can't afford the buckshot to spread out and make a a five or six inch pattern. It needs to be stay right in a one inch hole. Then you need to be able to to select uh, a different type of ammunition. You need to be able to select a slug and do that. Uh, and then if you are uh, if you're in a home or an apartment or something and you're worried about over penetration uh then you may want to you may want to use some birdshot because uh, and and Mark and I have talked about this a good bit too and our 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 determination is that one uh, one ounce of lead at uh you know at 3 or 4 yards is one ounce of lead it really doesn't matter that much what how it's configured if it's bird buck or slug it, one ounce of lead at uh at six or seven uh, yards is just uh it's extremely damaging right but you may not want to you may not want to shoot uh, a slug or or buckshot uh, in your apartment complex you know so we're, we'll talk about uh, all of these different things and then we're going to give you uh, the best part of it, I think, is that you're going to get a you're going to get uh, a lot of time shooting. You're going to shoot. Uh, you're going to be shooting that shotgun over and over until it's uh, until it's locked down. A lot of the manipulation of it is locked down into your muscle memory, which is what it should be. You should be able to work the shotgun without a whole lot of thinking about it uh, when you're in a situation that is going to require you to use it for your self-defense. Right. Our round count for the uh, fighting shotgun is 300 rounds of birdshot. And uh, that's based off of some other schools I've been to as well. And the first time I was I was going to one of these schools and I heard, oh, my God, 300 rounds of birdshot, you know, that's going to add up uh, as far as pain. <laughs> but it's not bad when you uh, do, when you're using the proper technique and you start to gain that muscle memory, you start to learn what you're supposed to do, how you load this thing, uh, especially your combat reloads. It's very important you load a certain way on these combat reloads, or you can create a jam. So you want to do that right, and before you know it, you're, you've been through your 300 rounds, and you're wanting more. But I think we'll go ahead and stop at 300 just for now. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's going to go back pretty quick. And... uh uh, oh, also, uh, some good friends of mine will be going out there, too, uh, some friends of yours, too. If anybody list, here is listening and uh, enjoy good movies, one of my favorite movies is called The Center. It's center centermovie.com. The writer-director of this movie is going to be online shooting with us, as well as the main character. Uh, he's going to be there as well, shooting online. So I always like there having them around, and uh, it's neat to have someone in the uh, – Film industry who is who are solidly pro gun, so I like having them around. And the writer director is Charles Weedman, and the actor is David Christopher. 
So if you want to come out and meet these guys and shoot with them, come on over to Battle Road USA. It's going to be August 31st. And I believe on our website there's even a link for a couple of bucks. You can check out the movie, center, centermovie.com. There you go. You want to rub elbows with uh, some celebrities, then uh, while you're getting a chance to do some shooting, then you can knock out those two birds with uh, one stone. And the 300 <laughs> rounds of uh, birdshot is, is only going to run you about uh, 60 bucks or so. So it's not nearly as bad as uh, as four months ago, uh, you know, and, and buying a thousand rounds of rifle or pistol. So you can take the course and you can get it. Uh, you can run the whole thing in under there uh, for uh, for not that many dollars. It's an invaluable course because you know everybody that that I know anyway, just about everybody keeps a shotgun. Uh, in their home for personal defense. Just about everybody I know has a shotgun, and, and that's one of the main things it's for. They've got a shotgun for home defense. The only problem is is that very few of them uh, have much time at all with that shotgun. They've shot, and maybe they shoot uh, a box of rounds during the course of the year, but that's not enough to give you the skills and techniques that you need to survive an encounter in your home. You're going to, you're going to, every time you learn something new, every time you learn how to do a combat reload or you have, or you learn how to do weapons retention, you're stacking the odds in your favor that you're going to survive a potential deadly situation. So, uh, so I always tell people every time, it's good to have a a firearm home for self-defense, but it's much better if you get training and how to use that firearm in a self-defense fashion. And that's what we're trying to offer folks. And and like Mark was saying earlier about the uh, the commandos and operators and stuff, uh, we we talked about this long and hard before we started uh, Battle Road USA. And, and the thing we wanted to do is make sure that we we're offering the training to the people that were going to need it the most. And that's that's you guys. That's our friends, our neighbors, and stuff like that. Uh, the folks that are operators, uh, which there are very few of those, and you're never going to be an operator, so don't come here thinking that you're going to learn how to be an operator because you're never going to be an operator unless you sign up and you join the military or you join the police force and get on the SWAT team and you lift weights all day and you shoot all day. That's the only way you're going to do that. And even then, you're going to have uh, five or six of your buddies with you. You're all going to have armor. Uh that's good. But what we want to do is try and give the everyday folks, we want to give them the best odds on surviving a situation like this. So we're teaching folks how to, uh, how to, how to react and how to use the skills, tactics, and training on their own as individuals to, to defend themselves and their loved ones in uh, real-world scenarios. So that's, it. that's what we're trying to do. Now, that's in August. We also have uh, uh, courses coming up in, well, October isn't a course. In October, we have the uh, the biannual uh, end of the world as we know it, zombie destruction run. That's a 4.5-mile looping course with eight shooting stations for rifle and pistol and then obstacles that will have to be negotiated in between the shooting stations. And... This is a great way to test your shooting skills, uh, your stamina, uh, how 
miles. But I got a lot of people that uh, that you see, and and Mark and I talk about this and joke and laugh about this all the time. You see people all the time saying, "This is what I'm going to wear." The end of the world comes. This is what I'm wearing. This is how I'm wearing it. And we see those people at the at the zombie runs, and then we see them about uh, 800 yards later, and they're going, "Man, this is this is a bad idea. <laughs> this is a yeah. bad idea." And usually, I'm I'm be, I'm one of the first people to say that because uh, I usually try to do something different each time. This last time, I said, uh, "I don't remember." No, it was a that was over at Pecos when I was running Pecos last time. I said, "Okay, this time I'm going to carry everything on my belt." And so I think I finished the last six miles of the run with with one hand uh, holding the crotch of my pants up as high as I could because uh, <laughs> it was pulling my pants off and giving me chafe. And uh, and I said, okay, that's a bad idea. I'll never do that again. But this is a way for you to figure out what works and what doesn't with your gear. Absolutely. It's a great course. Uh, you're right. You learn what's essential, what's not. I love my cold steel trail master giant buoy knife, but that stays in the gun safe. I don't carry it anymore on my kit. In fact, you'd laugh if you see what I actually carry. I, I'm a firm believer of traveling light, so I go really light when I do these things. And uh, I think after uh, some people come out to these biathlons, they begin to do the same thing as well. Except the young guys seems that they come out of the military. It drives me insane. I'm running all every day trying to uh, keep my speed up. And these guys just coming out of the military or they're on leave, you'll see them at Pecos or wherever else. And they're running with their chest rigs, their plates, their, you know, all that stuff. And they're leaving yeah. me behind. <laughs> it's great. I love knowing our military is at high speed and those guys are out there. But I guess as we get older and we stay home and we get a little softer, yeah, I kind of leave all that back. But it's still a lot of fun. And, you know, I've noticed whenever I talk to my friends or anybody else about the run we have there, I always say run or biathlon, and that scares off a lot of people. I always try to remind them, too, it's a walk. It's just for you to go out there and have a good time, kind of like a tough mutter but with guns. And uh, you go out there. We're not going to be coming behind you with bullwhips trying to make you run fast or anything like that. You can walk the whole thing. I had a buddy who came uh, last time. And he brought two young daughters with him, and uh, they shared one set of firearms, but they just walked from one station to the next, uh, and we don't care. Now, you're not going to win probably that way, but uh, but nobody's going to make you run. You don't have to run. The whole purpose is just for you to see how you do. You're going to find out Absolutely. how you do. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, look, Mike, I've got to get back to what I was – I'm oh, sorry, go Mike, i got to get back uh, – what I was doing here, so I'm going to go. But uh, before I do, I just remind folks again to go to BattleRoadUSA.com. Check out our schedule. We also have John Hollis coming in in November. I'm sure you'll talk about that. John is a great guy, an American hero, although he's too immodest to admit something like that. Fantastic guy. He'll be doing our precision rifle and a combat carbine class. Uh, so what I've been doing lately is I've been going to Academy every chance I get to buy my ration of uh, ammunition because there's no way I'm going to miss that class. There you go. So, Mike, right, yeah, thanks, Mark. I'll tell you what, it's not often you get somebody of, my, of John's caliber to come down locally and teach these types of classes. Fortunately, I've been through a lot of schools. That right there is a high-dollar school, and it's, it's at a bargain price. So, Mike, I'll see you, and again, congratulations on the ladies' class. You did a good job out there, and I'll be speaking with you in a day or two. 
All right. See you soon. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, you got uh, he's absolutely correct uh, John will be in in November we'll have the uh, zombie run in October in November uh, we're going to have a string of courses we're going to have the combat carving course that's a two day course on November 9th and 10th John will be teaching that also he's just taught it to over 5,000 uh, of the American service members uh, this is a course uh, developed to be used currently in combat with input from Delta Force uh, on this. And then John is, he's taught to over 5,000 service members the the Army military way. But the course that he'll be teaching for us will be uh, an amalgamation of of the different courses that he has been through, supplemented by uh, several deployments and actually using this to slug it out with the bad guys, all right? So he's going to be teaching you the lessons that he learned uh, the hard and dangerous way, and you are able to benefit from that by learning them in the much safer way of doing it at Battle Road. That will be the uh, November 9th and 10th. On the From the 11th through the 15th, we'll be running the Precision Rifle Sniper course. This is a five-day course to teach you to use your your center fire rifle and uh, optics to make shots at distance. And once again, uh, this will be taught by John Haas, who was a uh, certified sniper in Afghanistan. He was part of the 10th Mountain on the uh, kill team there. He led a kill team himself, and uh, and that is where... John was uh, received a silver star during one of the battles, the Battle of uh, uh, Gordish uh, Province, and uh, this course is invaluable. Uh, this is going to teach you how to use your rifle to make the shots at distance, including target estimation, wind, uh, the uh, correct procedures and positions. Uh, it will teach you all of the uh, the mathematics that are needed in order to make the shot, so that uh, that you can look at a target uh, at unknown distance. You don't know what the distance is, but you can make a range estimation, and then you can use your optics, look at the target, uh, measure it with your optics, and then get uh, an exact distance to it, and able to make a cold war shot at 600 meters and beyond. So uh, this course, like I said, is invaluable if you if you would like to do something like that because uh, I I know that uh, that you're not we don't need to do military style sniping but this works just as well if you're in Colorado trying to make a shot on an elk at uh, six to nine hundred meters away this is going to tell you how far away it is. It'll tell you how to dial in uh, the correct data uh, to include uh, making considerations for wind and elevation and how to make that shot. Then in uh, three days later, we'll have another five-day course, and this course is a squad school course. This is just a, a course designed to give you instruction in current patrolling techniques, in camouflage, 
survival, evasion, and escape, land navigation, basic rifle marksmanship, and uh, a ton of other stuff that you'll need uh, and that will help you to work as an individual and also as part of a group in order to complete tasks. Uh, this is all on the the BattleRoadUSA.com website, and if you would like to attend any of the courses, I suggest you uh, you go there quickly and either sign up or contact me for a slot because they're starting to fill up pretty quick. I have quite a few uh, deposits and payments already made, and we can't. The classes have to be kept kind of small, limited to about uh, about a dozen or so folks because of the amount of information we're putting out and because of the amount of individual instruction that's needed. So the courses have to be kept uh, kept a, a little bit small. Uh, and then uh, I also wanted to put out that uh, I talked with John Hurt from Cheer Group. John is a retired Special Forces operator, and he also was the head instructor at the Combat Tracking School at Fort Huachuca, Arizona. And uh, John is going to be working with Battle Road USA uh, on a five-day combat tracking course. And I'm telling you, I'm really excited about this course. Uh, <clears throat> learning how to interpret sign, to know what it means to be able to think, uh, think in terms of, the, uh, of what you're the, the, the individual you're tracking is trying to do, uh, what they want and where they're going and why they're going that way is uh, really important. Uh, the course will be five days, and uh, it's going to teach a, uh, a large amount of uh, field craft tracking techniques. Uh, it's going to teach you how to think like a tracker. Uh, how to seek out the information and become better educated about the individual that you're tracking, understand the individual, what the individual is doing, uh, what his motives are, uh, and help you uh, to be able to follow uh, and help your whoever you're with or yourself. Uh, and the course is not just about tracking people. <clears throat> Anything that leaves a track this is going to teach you how to follow it. And in addition to that, it's going to teach you to think about the information that you're leaving behind whenever you leave tracks. So this is going to be this is going to be a fantastic course taught by a really great instructor. Uh, if you want to find out more about uh, uh, John Hurth and what he does, you can go to the uh, uh, tier group dot com tier group LLC and uh, that's his website and and you can learn more about it there and if you'd like to take the course we don't have a date set for it yet because uh, he and I just worked out some of the details for it uh, what we're trying to figure out is you know when is going to be the best time for it so I'm trying to figure out uh, if you'd like to take the course and you you know when you have some days a uh, five day that's available, then go ahead and let me know so I can start putting this together so we can decide on when the best dates for the course will be. Because I'd like to make it easy on uh, on the folks that are going to attend. So be sure and contact me. Let me know 
when you would uh, you would be available to take the course, and we'll try and use that uh, in working out the dates for it. Okay. All right. Let's get straight into. Uh, well, let me first uh, let me first take a caller because uh, Fisher Dog has called in, and wants to talk, and I want to give him a chance to uh, to say hi. Fisher Dog, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Scout. Nice to be on with you. How's everything going? Oh, going going wonderful. We had an excellent shoot over the weekend with uh, six new riflemen for the state of Alaska and two new orange hats and our first homegrown red hat. Excellent. What were you going to say about uh, the training? Oh, I was just going to say that Battle Road training you've been describing there just sounds wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, well, you know, you're always welcome here. Got a place for you to stay if you want to come down. Well, one of these days, Scott, I'll take you up on that, so be careful what you say. <laughs> I'll surprise you. Well, I'm glad you guys had a great shoot, and uh, and I'm always excited to hear from you because Alaska is just is doing really great, and uh, and I want I want to take a little bit of a side step here while I'm while I'm congratulating you, and also talk about. The Apathy Project uh, uh, as a whole, and I want to tell the folks that are listening that that we might be in a uh, we might be in a rough spot right now in the program with uh, the ammunition craziness that has come in. Uh, it has certainly uh, it has certainly caused a lot of folks. Uh, not to attend because they can't find ammunition or the ammunition prices are too high. Uh, Many of the things together are working to keep some of the attendance low. Also, we've been working at this pretty hard for quite a few years, and we've got all the easy fish. We caught them all. We shot all the easy fish right at the top of the barrel. So it's a little bit tougher, but I want to remind guys to stay the course Stay the course. Don't become discouraged. Don't uh, don't give up. There is also a lot of stuff, uh, just like any other organization, that we have to deal with, admin stuff, and and maybe you don't like some of the people uh, that are that are running parts of the program or something. Maybe maybe sometimes uh, they get rubbed the wrong way, or maybe you think that the people some of the people running the program aren't. Uh, uh they've they've been too far along or too far away from uh from doing what you're doing on the ground uh, but I want to assure you that's not the case. The folks that uh, are in administrative positions right now they are the exact folks who are out running events every weekend just like you. They've just got the suck job of trying to uh, to corral all of the the beasts and uh, and keep them on the trail. Plus, at the end of the day, what's going on uh, either on the forum or across the nation or anywhere else, it doesn't matter. The only thing that should matter to you as an instructor is the things that are going on on your firing line on Saturday morning when the folks arrive. 
That's the only thing that uh, that's the only thing that I that I involve myself in, and that is making sure that I'm doing the my best job possible in promoting the program and its ideas and and trying to get folks on the line and then doing the best job that I can of teaching them the fundamentals of rifle marksmanship and American heritage and history while they are here. That's that's what I wrap my brain around. I don't get involved in anything else. I don't get involved in any uh any controversies anywhere. I don't worry about what I feel like might be right or wrong or anything else in the program. Uh, my only goal is to be able to be there Saturday morning and tell the story. That is my goal in this program. And I'm able to do that. I keep my my eyes on the ball. Uh, I keep my mind wrapped around that, and that's what I do. Uh, if only... Uh, uh, if only 15 people or 20 people uh, have managed to scrape together the money or the ammunition, then that's the people that I worry about, those folks that have come. I do my best to promote the program, but a lot of times uh, you may only get uh, a dozen people. And when that happens, you you say a prayer of thanks that you're get you get to tell the story to a dozen folks. You do your absolute best job of it, and then redouble your efforts. Uh, I know it sounds like uh, like a let them make cake speech, but but at the end of the day, that's all it boils down to is you and the folks that show up Saturday morning to hear the story, and that's really right all you're concerned yeah. with. And and everything else, uh, like I said, I don't I don't let it bother me. I don't get involved in it. I don't push it one way or the other. I just do my best to be there on Saturday morning and tell the story. And that's how we're going to get through this. We're going to keep our shoulder to the wheel. We're going to keep doing our job. Uh, we're going to put one foot ahead of the other. <clears throat> the ammunition craze is going to... Uh, to end, and folks are going to be back on the line. So don't get discouraged. Don't let this get you down. Now, right on, brother. You know, other than uh, the factor to get people on the line, all the other stuff's just distractions and small stuff, and we are going to get through it. And it's just very small compared to delivering that message and saving the nation. Even if we had just three people on the line or one person, you don't know that who that key person is going to be to help us spread this message and ripple out and have the effect that we know it's going to have. That's right. You never know where the next uh, the next person uh, is going to come from. So keep your head down, keep your shoulders to the wheel, and uh, we'll all get through this. Anything else you want to get out, uh, Fisher? Uh, no, I, I think that's about it, Scout. I'll just listen in, and uh, I appreciate what you do, and keep at it, and I'll keep at what we're doing up here, and, and uh, we'll save our great nation. All right. Thanks. God bless you, Fisher Dog, and uh, be sure and call in next week. You betcha. Bless you, too, Scott. Back All right. Back. Take care, brother. All right. Uh, I think appreciate uh, Fisher Dog calling in. Let us know how the Alaska group is doing.
they're the newest uh, addition to it. Uh, that only leaves us with uh, Hawaii, uh, Puerto Rico, Guam, uh, and a few other uh, holdings that uh, we have yet to expand to. Let's uh, continue on with our discussion, and that is going to start right now with the selecting a uh, firearm for home or personal self-defense. Uh, once you've decided that you're going to to integrate uh, a firearm into your home or personal self-defense plan, then you have to decide what it's going to be. Now, I listed a couple of books at the beginning of the uh, of the show in the chat room. But I'm going to tell you right now uh, what they are, and these are these are, are are some of the books that I've read that uh, that I think have a lot of good information without a lot of fluff or ego or uh, or they get uh, to either technical or philosophical. And uh, one of those is uh, Real World Self-Defense by Jerry Van Cook. And this is a great, uh, a great book by a uh, former New York police uh, officer. And uh, he's done a great job of of making the the ideas of self-defense uh, easily understandable. Uh, there is a book called Facing Violence by Rory Miller, and it's uh, subtitled Preparing for the Unexpected, Ethically, Emotionally, Physically, Without Going to Prison. Now, this book uh, covers a lot of, of just that. It has a lot of considerations for ethical use of firearms, uh, it, it covers the emotional aspects of it, uh, how to prepare yourself for an event, and then how to deal with it afterwards. Uh, it talks uh, a good deal about the physicalness of being involved in a self-defense situation, and then a good deal about the legal aspects of it, the things that you should consider uh, before using a firearm for self-defense and after, because uh, that's a, a good part of this is stuff that, that people don't normally think about, and uh, and that is the the different elements involved in using a firearm to defend yourself. Uh, things like uh, like understanding uh, how to vocalize justification for it. Like if you see, uh, uh, if you have someone or a group of guys coming after you, uh, like three or four guys are following you, and they start spreading out, uh, then you, as a person, you understand what they're trying to do and why they're doing it. But but do you know how to explain that? Uh, so he has a lot of good information in it to make you think about it and. And while you're thinking about it, uh, I don't think about what happens afterward. Now, there's a, another book that I got that, that has a great deal of really good information in it. It was one of the last ones I read recently because anytime you're preparing for a course, if you really want to learn something, then uh, schedule yourself to teach it because in order for you to teach something, you really have to know it, you know, Whenever I get ready to teach uh, an apple seed, and I've been teaching apple seeds for a long time. Whenever I get ready to teach an apple seed, 
even though, I, like I said, even though I've, I've done right, right around 100 of them, I wouldn't even consider going out and and teaching without going through the manual. I always make sure that that's almost the last thing I do before I before I head out. Uh, I take the, uh, the manual the night before, and I'll read through it, and then I'll read through it again in the morning before I go. Because I want to make sure that that I am teaching it the way the way it's supposed to be taught. So the best way for you to learn something is to schedule yourself to teach it. So in order for me to teach a class on safety uh, techniques and procedures and stuff, I had to research it. So I had to learn a lot more uh, than I already knew, and I learned a bunch of things that I didn't know. And there's a book called The Cornered Cat, uh, A Woman's Guide to Conceal Carry by Kathy Jackson. The Cornered Cat. It has... Uh, a great deal of information in it that is not just uh, for women's use. It's written by a woman, and it's written as, as titled, you know, A Woman's Guide to Conceal Carry. But the majority of it uh, is going to apply to everybody that's carrying concealed. But she just brings a, being a woman, she's bringing a woman's perspective to it. And a lot of things that I that I didn't think about, and uh, I think it's really uh, really a great book, and uh, it was talking about the uh, her process of selecting a, a firearm for home defense. <clears throat> There's a lot of things you need to ask yourself. Well, what uh, what are you going to use it for? Where are you? Uh, are you alone? Are there other people in the home with you? Uh, are you in a home rurally? Are you in a suburban setting? Are you uh, in a city dwelling, like an apartment or something? It's going to, a lot of this is going to determine the perhaps the firearm that you select, and, and certainly it's going to determine uh, some of the ammunition and the way that you use it. <clears throat> so the first thing you have to decide is uh, is what is your situation. And why are you selecting uh, this particular firearm? Uh, right off the bat, you heard Mark and I talking earlier about shotguns. Uh, I think shotguns are an excellent choice for home defense. Uh, they can be uh, purchased rather inexpensively. There are a lot of different models that uh, you can get. Uh, in different uh, bores, in different gauges, uh, and the uh, the smaller the uh, the smaller the bore, uh, or the larger the gauge, then the the smaller the shell and the less recoil there's going to be. So you can get anywhere from a uh, a 410 bore, 410 gauge shotgun, which uh, is fairly small. It's, it'll it's probably a little bit smaller than my pinky. I don't think that uh, I don't think that my pinky will go into a 410 barrel, uh, and uh, and it has a very light recoil, uh, but it doesn't have as much power as the next size or the largest. You can get a 20 gauge. Now that might even be better. A 410 would be good for uh, for kids because. Uh, there is less recoil. Usually that's what you start out uh, youngsters on with a shotgun is the 410 uh, gauge. 
there's a 20 gauge, which is a little bit bigger. Now, my 20 gauge, my finger, will, my little finger will just about go in the, the barrel of a 20 gauge. And uh, then you could get a 12 gauge, which is, which is, for all intents and purposes, about the largest uh, that you would get without digging around. There's a 10 gauge that you could get, but but that's a lot more specialized, and uh, there's a lot fewer of them. So if you're going to get a shotgun for your home, you need to look at who's going to use it. If it's going to be a woman or, or uh, a child, then maybe uh, maybe it needs to be a smaller gauge. Uh, there's a lot less recoil in it. Uh, certainly uh, the 12-gauge, which is the largest, uh, most common uh, gauge of shotgun, uh, you're going to have a lot more power in the shell and because it's larger, that means it can also hold more lead. Uh, depending on how that lead is used, it could be a solid chunk of lead that's called a slug, or it could be uh, several pieces together that are larger round shot called buckshot, and that comes in different sizes, all the way down to bird shot and field shot, which is uh, uh, it's like uh, pieces of lead that are about the size of the end of a uh, of an end of a number two pencil lead, or a little bit smaller than that. And uh, <clears throat> the the shotgun you choose uh, will depend on your situation, and then the ammunition that you'll choose for it will also depend on your situation. Uh, <clears throat> as I was saying earlier, <clears throat> if you if you're living rurally and you're by yourself in the home, then that's probably uh, that's probably one of the least restricted uh, situations for it. Because then you could use you could use anything. You could actually even use a rifle at that point. Because the only person you're going to have to be worrying about is the person that is right there, actually, hopefully behind the muzzle. You don't have to worry about over penetration. And we're not just talking about leaving your home the rounds uh, leaving your home, we're talking about them over-penetrating, going through interior walls inside your home, and perhaps injuring uh, one of your family members if you're inside the home, a family member or a guest or anybody else that's in the home with you. But if you're alone, then uh, you could use uh, a shotgun with slugs or buckshot. <clears throat> if you are in a suburban setting or in an apartment or something like that, then you could use a shotgun and I would recommend uh, probably at least having the, the first round be birdshot so that uh, so that you're, there's a good chance that the majority of the projectiles will remain inside your dwelling. And as we were talking about earlier, uh, at, at inside the home distances, buckshot and birdshot are not that different at all. Uh, one ounce of lead, uh, no matter what configuration it is in, delivers just about the same amount of kinetic energy uh, at these distances because you're able to keep all of the uh, all of the pellets onto onto the target. This allows you to keep from over penetrating. Here's the problem with the shotguns: if you live alone. Uh, then that then there are less problems with the shotgun 
Uh, you can keep it in a safe while you're not at home. And uh, as soon as you get home, you can put it on station. Now, you can put any firearm you have, you can put it on station. What I mean by having it a firearm on station is taking that firearm and uh, placing it somewhere within the home uh, in order for it to be in the same place every time so you don't have to go looking for it. Where did I put it? Where is it? I think it's, I think I left it in the closet. You're going to, and we're going to talk about, in just a minute, we're going to talk about dry fire, your dry fire gang, which is going to solve part of this. But you're going to put it on station somewhere where you can get to it easily and retrieve it for your use in self-defense. Now, that may be, uh, it may be behind a door in the hallway, or it may be uh, inside the door to your bedroom, or it may be up on a wall, like on a gun rack style mount, uh, high up on the wall in your hallway or something like that. Uh, I wouldn't leave it by the front or back door because that's where threats would come in. And if the threat kicks in the door, now they're between you and your self-defense firearm, all right? Uh, I wouldn't put it at the front or back door. I would I would stage it somewhere within the interior of the home. And I personally would stage it somewhere where I didn't have to open a door to get to it. Uh, like I said, I would probably put it uh, someplace like right above the door in the hallway out of the kitchen. Uh, some things where I could easily reach up and grab it. Uh, while I'm retreating from the threat, <clears throat> and uh, that's if you're alone. Now, if you have other folks in the home, then you're going to have to, that's going to have to be a, a much uh, considered, uh, um, it's, going to, it's going to change the dynamics of this because Depending on on who it is, if it's another adult, then uh, then it's not as big of a problem. Although the other adult in the home, you should make sure that every adult that's in the home and every child too. But for right now, we're talking about the other adults in the home. Every adult in the home has instructions and knows how to use the firearm because uh, of two things. One, they need to know about the safety of it. They need to know that they can't just uh, reach up and grab it and spin it around or whatever because it's going to be loaded with a, with more than probably with a round in the chamber with the safety on. Uh, they need to understand how to safely handle it, and they need to know how to use it because if, there's, if there is more than one adult in the home, if they, the, the person is primarily tasked to use it, if something happens to that person, then the only thing there's left to depend on is any other person, an alternate uh, user for the firearm. So they need to know how to use the firearm. So that's one of the first things you have to consider. The first thing you have to consider for any of these kids is going to be safety. Even if you live alone, there are going, you're going to have guests that come over. A guest may bring children with them. So what are you going to do when a guest comes into your home or a child comes into your home? Because you know, it'd be nice if every single person who showed up into your home uh, was certified in uh, firearm safety and they had all of their wits about them and uh, and they were all good to go. But that's never going to be the case. You're going to have people showing up in your home that don't know about firearms, that bring kids with them. You're going to have folks in your home that uh, that maybe you want to have a few drinks. So now there's a addition, there's another person in your home now that has had alcohol and they have access to your 
uh, to your self-defense firearm, to your shotgun. So what are you going to do about that? How are you going to, to fix that? One of the best ways is is to have uh, some type of a firearm safe. That way you can have it in the safe and locked up whenever you have guests, especially guests with children. You can have it in the safe and locked up. Now, this this leads to another consideration, and that is if you have, uh, as your self-defense firearm, if you have a shotgun and you have guests over or guests with kids or anybody else, and you decided it's going to be within your with your best interest to have the firearm locked up in the safe, and the assailant, the criminals, pick that specific time to assault you or your guests, <clears throat> then now you have to be able to retrieve it from the safe before you can use it. Uh, the woman, Kathy Johnson, who wrote uh, The Corner Cat, The Woman's Guide to uh, Concealed Carry, when she was deciding on a firearm, uh, before she got concealed carry, she was trying to decide on a firearm. She, that's one of the things that she considered. She said she had a lot of folks that advised her that a uh, a shotgun was going to be one of the best things for her to use. And uh, she thought about it, she thought about it, and she said, well, that's good, but, you know, I've got kids. And so, yeah, I could keep it, like, up on a high, uh, a high perch for station. I could keep it, uh, you know, in a closet or, you know, locked in a room or something. But what happens if uh, you're if you and the kids are in the bedroom and somebody comes through the window? Now you've got to go get it from the closet. And if you do, are you going to have time to take all the kids with you? Or if you if you just make a mad dash with it and go get it, and come back. What if all that? What if the assailant just wanted a kid? Now he's had time to get it and, and take the kid. These are all things that she's that she was thinking, and she ended up vocalizing and then writing down in the book uh, as part of her considerations. And it's something for you to consider because each decision that you make uh, will have a trail of, uh, of repercussions to it. If you decide to get a shotgun or a long gun, then you're going to have to, you, you, you could carry it around, but I'm telling you it's, it's not going to be the best decision for you to be walking around with a with a shotgun strapped to your back, uh, you know, at Christmas time with the relatives and stuff over. You're going to quickly be branded uh, as uh, as a paranoid uh, freak. So these are a lot of the things that you'll have to think about when you're selecting the firearm. If you choose a shotgun, that's one of the things that you're going to have to think about. First of all, who's going to be using it? What are you going to be using it for? Where are you going to be at? What type of situation are you going to be in? Are you going to have to worry about overpenetration? And if so, then you need to think about your uh, your ammo considerations and and make sure that your farm is loaded according to those ammo considerations. Uh, what type of firearm are you going to get? Uh, are you going to get a uh, a single shot shotgun? Are you going to get a double barrel, a side-by-side, or an over and under? Uh, you can, and all those are good, and all of those have worked for 100, uh, over 100 years for folks to to, to get game and to uh, to defend themselves. And it's certainly, uh, it's certainly going to be some of the least expensive ones because a, a good single-barrel shotgun 
in uh, 4, 10, 20, or 12 gauge is, is, is really pretty inexpensive. You can usually get one for anywhere between, uh, you know, 50 or 60 bucks and and 200. Uh, if you're going to get a side-by-side or a, uh, uh, which is where you have the two barrels are set side-by-side together. And normally they fire separately, but some of them do fire at the same time, but you're going to have the two barrels side by side, and the other is the over and under. That's where you have one barrel on top of the other. Now, all of these will only shoot, the single shots only shoot one shot, and you'll have to break the uh, the action open, remove the empty shell, or it'll pop out sometimes, and then put another one in, close it, and then either pull the hammer back or take the safety off in order to get it to fire. The double barrels are side by side, the same thing, except in this case you'll have, instead of one single shell, you'll have two. You'll have one. You'll have two shells. One one right beside the other, or one uh, right above and below the other. And these are two shells. Uh, there's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with with any type of firearm other than than the single shots only fire one shot, and then you'll have uh, you've got a good little bit of manipulation to go through before you get another one. Uh, if you do, I would make sure that I put a uh, an ammunition. Uh, an additional ammunition carrier onto the butt sock of it or onto the side of the action wherever you wherever you decide to put it so that you have additional shells right there and handy. Otherwise, once you fire that, that first round, it's gone. Uh, even if you have some in your pocket, you're going to have to dig in there. I'd make sure that I put uh, uh, an ammunition carrier onto the butt sock or onto the side of it. Same thing with the double barrel. All right? You're going to have the two rounds of fire, and after that you're going to have to get some other rounds from somewhere to put in there. Uh, the next thing you can use is a pump shotgun. The pump shotguns usually have an internal magazine. That means you can put uh, you can put usually uh, three to five rounds uh, or more, depending on the type of ammunition you use, into a a magazine, which is the thing that holds the ammunition, that is attached to the rifle, usually slung right under the barrel. You can have uh, usually up to around five shots or more, depending on the ammunition, right there in the shotgun. And what will happen is every time you fire, you're going to work the slide, you're going to pull the slide toward you, and then eject the shell, and as you push it forward, then it will gather another shell out of the magazine and put it into the chamber. You can fire it usually five times in the same fashion. You squeeze the trigger, it goes bang, you pull the action backwards, ejecting the shell, push it forward, chambering another round, and that allows you to fire and keep going uh, up to five times or more, depending on the type of ammunition you use, all right? Uh, once again, I would still put a a carrier onto it that would carry additional rounds. But in this case, you'll be able to have uh, five or more rounds that you can call on before the the shotgun is empty, and then uh, another uh, four to five rounds on the stock or action that you can take and put back into the magazine to reload it, all right? And there is the semi-auto shotguns. <clears throat> you can use those. Those work the, basically the same way as the pump shotgun as far as having the internal magazine that's slung usually right under the barrel. However, these don't require you to physically manipulate the slide in order to eject or chamber an additional round. Every time you squeeze the trigger, the pump shotgun does it semi-automatically. Uh, it's going to eject the round and then chamber another round uh, using either gas or the kinetic energy from the round that was just fired. 
So what will happen is every time you squeeze the trigger, it will fire as long as there are rounds in the magazine to be continued fed into the action, into the chamber. All right. You can use any one of these. Uh, I personally uh, select for myself the pump shotgun because for me, simpler is better as long as it's simpler with additional rounds. The the single shot and side by side or over and under, I don't consider those to be simpler, even though the the actual functioning mechanically is simpler, I don't consider it to be a simpler system simply because you're going to have to manipulate the firearm in a greater deal to in order to open it and put another round in. So I don't consider that simpler. I consider the pump shotgun to be the simplest platform to use. It's going to carry the ammunition inside an internal magazine, and all I have to do is pull it to the rear and push it forward to get it to work. The semi-autos, they're, they're good uh, guns, and and they are uh, the technology now is really good. They, they are very dependable, but there are still things that can go wrong with a semi-auto, it's not as easy to fix uh, right then and there, right that second, as it is with a pump shotgun. So my suggestion would be a pump shotgun for you to use. Uh, you will have to decide for yourself what you're going to use. And we talked about the, the other considerations with the shotgun, ammunition, your location, your situation, uh, and also the safety concerns as far as uh, others having access to it uh, since you are not really able to carry it on your person. The woman that I talked to you about that wrote the book, uh, The Cornered Cat, Kathy Jackson, her uh, solution was to to carry a handgun on her person. Now, this allowed her to maintain control of the firearm, uh, no matter who was there, kids, any other kids, uh, guests, family members, whoever, they weren't going to be able to gain access to it because she had it on her person. She had it on her body in a good, in a in a very good holster, concealed. All right. So that does a couple of things. It allows you to maintain physical security. For the firearm. And the other thing is, uh, you very seldom is uh, is a would-be attacker going to give you their uh, their schedule. And what I mean by that is 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 if you knew that an attacker was going to make an assault on you at uh, at five o'clock, then you could go and get your shotgun, be sitting in a chair facing the attacker, and be ready. But they're not going to do that, all right? You're 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 never going to know more than probably when an assault is going to occur. So you're not going to know when you need to have access uh, to your firearm and have it usable. This helps to. Uh, it helps to bypass that because no matter when it happens, you have the firearm on your person, all right? 
You don't have to go and, and now. This only works if you have it on your person. I'm not talking about uh, just having a handgun in the home. I'm talking about having a handgun on you, on your person, in your home. If you have to go and dig it out of the sock drawer and then uh, and then find the ammunition for it uh, in the kitchen drawer and put that in, then you've defeated the whole purpose of this. Uh, selecting a, a handgun for home defense is uh, is another option that you might want to consider. Now, this has a lot of the same considerations as a shotgun. It's a firearm, all right? The very first thing that you'll have to do is to consult the state, local, and federal laws in your area, determine the legality of owning a firearm, of owning a handgun, of keeping a handgun in your home or on your person, and uh, figure out what is legal, and then abide by those laws. Uh, we talk, uh, when if you come to the self-defense course, we'll talk about uh, about sometimes breaking the laws. But we're not going to talk about that right now. We're going to tell you, I'm going to tell you that you're going to abide by all local, city, federal laws, and you're going to use those, that information, in order to to let you select a firearm that you can legally use, all right? If you've done that, it's legal for you to have a handgun uh, in your home and uh, on your person in the home and have the handgun assembled with uh, ammunition in it because as crazy as it sounds, some states want you, even in your home, to have the firearm and ammunition separated. I don't know. Uh, it's hard for me to understand the rationalization behind it, but somebody somebody has developed rationalization and they forced you to adhere to it, uh, or they forced you to be uh, exposed legally if you don't. All right. So first of all, before any firearm decisions are made, consult your state, local, federal laws and abide by them. All right. But you've done that, and you can have a pistol and you can have it loaded and on your person, that's great. Now you're going to need to think about what you're going to have, what you're going to use. And that's going to depend a lot on on a lot of different things, on your level of uh, experience and confidence with a certain firearm. Uh, it's going to lead you to decide on what type of firearm you're going to use. Now, if somebody's just starting out, uh, and sometimes with women that are just starting out, or, or even guys, a lot of times I will suggest a revolver. Uh, because a revolver is a very tried and true system. It is a very simple system. Uh, it's usually pretty hard to... To have a revolver and and have something go wrong with it where it won't go boom. Normally, uh, the revolvers are are pretty dang good about uh, about going boom when you need them to. Now, there's some cons to it also. Uh, a lot of revolvers are limited to the number of rounds they can hold. Uh, normally, you're not going to get uh, more than nine rounds uh, in a revolver, and uh, that's usually only with uh, something like a 22. Uh, caliber revolver. Uh, some of the larger cartridges, center fire cartridges, like the 38, uh, they do make some seven-round 38 models. 
but you're going to be limited in the number of rounds that uh, that you can have in the pistol with a revolver. Usually it's six to seven rounds at most. Uh, and then once you fire those rounds, there's a, there's a little bit more to reloading than there is with a semi-auto, all right? That being said, a lot of folks uh, feel comfortable with a revolver. Uh, I carried a revolver for a very long time. I still do. And and my carry usually depends uh, on on me putting all the facts together on where I'm going to be, what the threat level is, what my uh, what my risks are, and stuff like that. And there are times when uh, I select a revolver rather than a semi-auto. Normally, what I carry is a semi-auto, and I usually I'll carry a Glock uh, 17 in 9 millimeter. I like it because uh, the Glock is another uh, tested, another tried and true system, and uh, it has a very low rate of failures. Uh, and in addition to that, it has a 17-round magazine. So I have 17 rounds of 9 millimeter ammunition at my disposal, and then another magazine with another 17 rounds in it. So, so that was my decision. That's what I use. I told you, I still every once in a while I'll carry a, a revolver, but normally that's what I carry on a, an everyday basis: is a Glock 17. Sometimes I'll carry a, a Springfield XD model in uh, in nine millimeter or 40 or 45. Or I'll have a, a 38 revolver, a six-shot 38 revolver uh, with a two-inch barrel. Or sometimes I'll have a Smith & Wesson 686, which is a 357 Magnum with a six-inch barrel. Uh, and and it's going to depend on what I'm on what I'm looking at as far as what I'm going to do with it during the day. The the assessed risk or threat to my security. Uh, and that's how you're going to make the decisions on it. As far as picking it, uh, once again, for a very simple-to-use firearm and handgun is a revolver. Uh, normally, you want to have a revolver that is of significant enough power to to... Uh, without being overdone, uh, you want to be able to stop the threat uh, without overdoing it, especially for new shooters. If you got a new shooter, you don't you don't want to have them uh, shooting a uh, .357 Magnum or .44 Special or .44 Magnum with a with a two-inch barrel or something like that. It, there's so much uh, recoil and and blast. There's usually a the, the fire that comes out of the barrel of a 357 Magnum or 44 Magnum is about a foot wide and about a foot foot and a half long. So uh, I would pick something like a 38 caliber revolver. You can have a uh, a 22 or 22 Magnum or a 32 caliber. They still take uh, they still make 32 caliber uh, revolver ammunition. You can have those. Uh, personally. I would I would advise a 38 caliber uh, revolver, and I think this is plenty good 
for most self-defense situations, statistics show that normally uh, one to two rounds in almost uh, in the majority of all shooting situations, it has ended after one to two rounds. Now you could need more, and if you if you think that you might need more, or if you feel better with more, then switch to a semi-auto that has more. Uh, if you want to use a revolver and you want more, then practice shooting the revolver and reloading either by singles or by using a speed loader. Speed loader is a device that will hold uh, whatever the it'll be patterned for that specific firearm that you're using. If, if your firearm is smaller, it only shoots five rounds of 38, and it'll hold five rounds. If it's larger and has uh, six rounds, it'll hold six. Or if it's the largest and has seven, it'll hold seven rounds, and they'll be set in the same size uh, just to be able to accept the ammunition and go straight into the cylinder. You'll push a little tab or make a twist on a knob on the back of the speed loader. The rounds will be, will be loosened and fall into the revolver cylinder, and then you'll close it and you'll be ready to fire again. Uh, you can practice using a speed loader. If you want to use a revolver and you want to have more ready, you can do that. Uh, the most important part when you decide to to integrate a firearm into your self-defense plan is going to be getting training with that firearm. Now you may decide to use a rifle. You may say, "Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna use a rifle." Uh, or that's just what I have. I can't afford to go get something, but I've got a rifle, and I'm going to use that. Uh, and that there is nothing wrong with that, other than you need to take into consideration that normally rifles, uh, even smaller caliber rifles, uh, have a a good deal of power behind the projectile and that there's a good chance that the projectile could uh, either over-penetrate the target that you're shooting at. You may shoot uh, at an intruder in your home and make a really great center mass shot, but because of the power involved with the rifle cartridge, it could pass through the target and continue on. Or you may miss. You may miss altogether, and the cartridge will continue on. And a lot of rifle cartridges have enough power that they can exit your home or they can go through the walls in your home and and do damage uh, to to property or to people that you did not intend to do. So that's going to be a consideration that you'll have to take. Now, using a rifle, you'll also have to have the same considerations that you were using when you were when you were talking about having a shotgun. You'll have to, you won't be able to put it on you, so you'll have to make sure that you have it stationed somewhere and that you have to make sure that it's not uh, accessible to to family members, uh, children, or guests, or, or, or anybody else in the home. You have to make sure that it's not accessible to them, and uh, uh, you'll have to do the same thing with a handgun unless you're wearing it. And then you'll have to worry about over-penetration usually with rifle cartridges. Now, I know that they that they manufacture uh, things like frangible cartridges and stuff like that, but it's been my experience shooting uh, 5.56 uh, 
frangibles, which are just like, uh, which are the, you know, they're the AR-15 or M-16, the kind of military rifles you see, the semi-automatics with the magazines. It's a cartridge that fits into that. It's in my experience with this, that they, even with frangibles, it's, uh, it's very likely that they could uh, they could exit or over penetrate your intended target or, or leave leave the your your home or go through the walls in your home. Now they're designed to break up when they hit something. They're made uh, uh, from metal that is already ground up into fine particles, and then it is uh, shot compressed into a mold so that they're all they're all stuck together but they're ready to come back apart quite easily. They're designed so that if you fire and it hits something solid, that it, it, that it begins to fragment immediately. Now, so that helps you if you're, if you're shooting inside a, uh, a building and, uh, be, and whenever it hits something hard like a wall or something like that, it will begin to fragment immediately. And the smaller the particle is and the, the less kinetic energy it carries with it. So the smaller the particle is, the less damage it is it is likely to do. Uh, shooting a frangible bullet isn't going to guarantee you anything. Could a frangible bullet can go through the the wall of an apartment or leave the home and kill somebody just as uh, as easily as some other bullet. But it's designed to try and give it less of the ability. All right. And you can buy frangible ammunition uh, for almost any caliber of rifle or pistol. <clears throat> that may be another consideration that you have. Uh, some people uh, buy uh, ammunition that's called shot shells, and that is where you have uh, very fine, small pieces of lead, little tiny lead balls that uh, are fired uh, as opposed to one solid projectile. Now, uh, a lot of people use this for snakes or vermin or other things like that or to or to scare away dogs or something like that. Uh, I would not count on a shot shell in a pistol. Uh, I would not count on it to save me in a self-defense situation, uh, even if it was a contact uh, shooting where you're holding it right against the person in some form or fashion. I still would not count on it to do the job that was meant to be done by a solid projectile. All right. Uh, once again, you're going to have to decide on what the threats are against you. You'll do a risk assessment on yourself and your home. Decide what the threats are and, and what you think the appropriate uh, firearm and ammunition for it are going to be. And, and that changes with every person and every situation. All right. If you don't have enough, uh, if you don't know. Uh, if you can't make the decision for yourself or or on your own, find somebody who's qualified to assist you with it. You can do that by uh, by getting uh, a hold of uh, shooting instructors. Uh, there's a plenty of NRA shooting instructors that uh, that you can probably call or talk to. There's plenty of stuff that you can read about this. But you can call the NRA shooting instructors for uh, uh, especially the guys that are certified in uh, personal protection in the home. Uh, that would be able to advise you on this, all right? Uh, the, as I said, the rifle is going to have to be the same security situ- uh, conditions are going to apply to the rifle that do the shotgun. Uh, you're not going to be able to carry it on you. 
so you're going to need to stage it somewhere. And then you're going to have to concern yourself with overpenetration uh, or and knowing where the bullet is going to go uh, when you're shooting inside your home. Now, by that, uh, and this is going to be true for, for everything, for the shotgun, for the pistol, for the rifle, inside my home, I... I have to know I have to know where I'm shooting. I just can't shoot willy nilly in my home. And you may not be able to either. You're gonna to need to take into account uh for me I know where the children are in my home. And I know that I cannot shoot in certain directions in my home because if I do, I'm gonna be shooting into their bedrooms. So I have to understand that I'm responsible for the round that's leaving that barrel, and I got to know where it's going to go. You may have you may have a wall that you share with another apartment. There's no way you can know where they're going to be in the other apartment. So you may have to take that into a lot of uh, consideration if you're forced to make a shot inside your home, and that may mean uh, rapidly adjusting your angle of fire. By that, I mean you may need to, to drop down on the floor so that you can shoot from the floor up so that if a round missed or overpenetrated, it would go up above where a person was standing in the next room. Or you may need to shift your angle real hard, which means you would throw yourself uh, hard against a wall or something so that whenever you made your shot, that you were shooting almost parallel to the wall that you were sharing with uh, with other folks so that a round that overpenetrated or missed <clears throat> would not go straight into there. Uh, into their location, it would uh, travel parallel to it. These are things that you're going to have to think about. <clears throat> and and that brings me to what I want to talk about next, and that is working on your dry fire game. Now, I've talked uh, a lot before about the dry fire game, and uh, and the dry fire game is not just making sure that your sights are in alignment and that they're at the proper place on your target and that you're squeezing the trigger. That's simply that's certainly part of your dry fire game, but that's not all of it. That's just a small part of it. Your dry fire game includes everything that you do with your firearm all the way from retrieving it from station or drawing it to returning it to station or reholstering it. Everything that you do in between those two points is part of your dry fire game. Now, certainly at Appleseed, we talk about the dry fire practice, and I'll tell you right now, the quickest way to to jump from a score of 150 on the AQT to a score of 190 or 210 or above is going to be working out your dry fire game. And by dry fire game, I'm talking about uh, everything that you do with a firearm or being able to do everything that you do with a firearm, excluding loading a live round and firing it. Everything else can be done as part of your dry fire game, and it can be done 
without using a range. You can do this uh, uh, on your own and in your home. Part of the Appleseed Project plan on dry firing is for you to uh, to get in each of the positions that we teach and then execute the shot following the six steps and accept that you're not going to be using live rounds. You won't, you're, you, you need to swear an oath that you won't even have a live round in the same room with you. You're going to execute the shot by the six steps except that there will not be a live round in the chamber, all right? This will help you get past uh, your flinch, bucking, jerking, all that kind of stuff, and help you to train yourself to make the shot without flinching, bucking, or jerking, all right? That way, when you get to the range and you have live ammunition, your the habit that you're formed are going to revolve around not doing the flinching, bucking, jerking, etc. Now, as part of your home defense and personal defense dry fire game, as I said, we're going to be talking about every single thing you do with the firearm, not just aligning the sights, putting the sights on the target and squeezing. We're talking about everything. Now, that's going to begin with, uh, with learning to master the mechanical functions of your firearm. And you can do that without a range, without any live rounds. And what you're going to be doing is you're going to be working, you're going to be mechanically working your firearm until you have the mechanical operation of your firearm committed to muscle memory. That's going to be things like working the slide and uh, on a pistol, working a pump on uh, the shotgun, working the lever action on a 30-30, uh, working the charging handle and bolts on an AR-15. Excuse me. We're going to be uh, working the cylinder on a revolver, uh, making sure that you know how to very quickly uh, press the cylinder release, open the cylinder, uh, get uh, ammunition in and out, and whenever you're doing this, uh, when any time that you're doing your dry fire game, as I said, you're, you're going to swear an oath that you're not going to have any live ammunition in the room with you. However, they make uh, non-firing practice ammunition, things like snap caps and stuff like that for you to practice with. That's what you're going to use. You're going to use the snap caps to uh, practice loading and firing the revolvers, practice uh, loading the magazines on a shotgun, practice loading the magazines on a rifle. That's going to be part of your dry fire game, learning to do that so that it's committed to your muscle memory. Now, we ask you to do this with Appleseed. We ask you to, if you have... Uh, your Liberty training rifle, like a Ruger 1022 or the Marlin rifles, uh, or if you are going to be doing this for your self-defense firearm and you're using something like that, say you're using a Glock 17, magazine-fed semi-automatic, then what you're going to be doing is you're going to practice your, your uh, magazine changes 
you're going to take uh, one of the best ways that I find to do that is uh, is sit down in a chair in front of uh, your TV and without looking, uh, just sit there and watch TV. Put a couple of magazines in your lap and do a uh, hundred magazine changes without looking. That means you need to to be able to grasp the uh, magazine and without looking at it, be able to feel that it's oriented properly and then be able to extract the magazine from your pistol or rifle and then put the the next magazine in without looking. And you do that uh, do that 100 times or 200 times while you're sitting there watching TV or a movie. That way, as I said, you're committing the the uh, the physical manipulation of it to muscle memory, and you're doing it without looking because you may be required to, at some point to do it in pitch dark, uh, or you may be required to do it while you're doing something else. This helps you to regulate that uh, that operation to a secondary thought uh, operation. That means uh, you should be able to do it while you are uh, or you're talking to a buddy and you're getting ready to make a, a chess move or something, you're sitting there looking at the chess move and you're getting ready to make that move, you should be able to do magazine changes while you're doing that. You should not have to think about it. You should be able to do it on a secondary, a lower-level thought process. That way, anytime you have, that you have stress-induced, uh, which you will if you are facing some type of self-defense situation, uh, you're going to lose fine motor skills. That means you're going to lose the ability to to manipulate things with your fingers and stuff as easily as you could if you were if you did not have stress induced into the situation. Uh, when you have stress dumped in you, that's your body's way of getting you ready for bigger actions, of things like uh, of taking off running, or grabbing a chair and and hitting somebody with you with it, or or blocking a tree a tree from falling on you. Those are the big things that your body is trying to get you prepared to do. Not smaller things like uh, pushing a small button on a pistol and taking one part off and putting another part in. All right? Those are things that your body is not concerned about you doing in a stress situation because, because when this was all developed genetically, they weren't worrying about that. They were worrying about you being able to pick up a rock and throw it at the, at the lion as you took off running. So you need to be able to commit these things to muscle memory so that you can do them even when your heartbeat is going uh, 100 miles an hour and your hands uh, and fingers are not working as good as they should. You should not have to think about doing it. You should be able to do it on a secondary thought level. The only way to do that is by doing it repetitively and committing it to muscle memory. Uh, We do this and Apple Feeds, we get people to do this to practice magazine changes, not so they can gain the AQT, but so that they can smoothly make a magazine change while keeping their sights and their concentration on the target. You're going to be doing it for your personal and home self-defense so that you're able to do it while making other considerations, while figuring out how to, uh, <clears throat> how to grab the phone and uh, and call 911 or, or how to get to another room or uh, a million other things you might have to do. 
So your part of your dry fire game is going to be teaching yourself to do magazine changes and to do them rapidly and proficiently, even under stress. And the only way to do that is to practice it. If you're carrying a uh, a handgun on you and it's part of your everyday carrier or concealed carrier, you're carrying it at home, uh, regardless of that, you're going to practice drawing, practicing drawing, uncovering and drawing. That's going to be part of your dry fire game. You're going to be practicing sweeping aside the concealment, grasping the the handgun correctly, and drawing it and pointing it. <clears throat> now, you're only going to do this, once again, you're only going to do this once you've made sure that the, that the firearm is in a safe state with no ammunition in it or even in the room. But you're going to practice doing your draws over and over. That way you can commit it to muscle memory. That way if you need to make the draw, if you need to make the draw in a self-defense situation, chances are you're not going to be able to do it in a beginner's fashion, which is, all right, first I'm going to, i got to put the jacket out of the way or lift the shirt. Okay, now I'm going to grasp the, the handle, and I'm going to clear it out of the holster, keeping the muzzle uh, from sweeping my body. I'm going to extend and point it at the target. What was that, four or five seconds? At three to four rounds per second, that's about uh, 20 rounds that uh, you soaked up. You're going to need to be able to do that all in one step, just with the thought of draw. The rest of it, the rest of the procedures and everything else have to already be committed to muscle memory. The only way you're going to do that is through repetition of it, and that is going to be part of your dry fire game. <clears throat> all right? Uh if you have a shotgun and you have the shotgun on station, say if you've got it in the uh, right above the doorway, leading from near the main part of your house into the kitchen, then you're going to practice uh, moving backwards, moving through the doorway, reaching up above you, grabbing the shotgun, uh, working the action, or not get or, or putting the safety off, depending on what kind of uh, condition that you station it in, and pointing it at uh, your imaginary target. And you're going to do that over and over. You learn how to grasp it. You learn how to get it free of whatever it's holding there, and that you're able to manipulate the safety. And the reason I tell you to do this is because once you have stress-induced, and you see this at apple seeds all the time, you're going to forget to take the safety off if you haven't practiced doing it. You're going to squeeze and squeeze and squeeze, and nothing's going to happen because you didn't take the safety off. All right, remember, dry fire game includes everything that's going to occur, uh, between uh, drawing or uh, grabbing it off station and putting it back in the holster. Okay, guys, I want to thank everybody for uh, for listening tonight. I hope that we've been able to provide you with uh, some needed information. Tune in uh, next week, 7 p.m. Central, for another edition of the Rifleman Radio Show. Until then, God bless and keep you all, and stay on your dry fire game. All right? Take care.
young, my teacher told me that I was free. And as a child, I grew up programmed by TV. And as a teenage boy, I found out just how free is free.
Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.